Hello and welcome to In the Clock Ends Pre-Match Pine. Um, and this week you're joined, obviously by myself and Steve, our usual host. How are you, Steve? Good morning, mate. Yeah, very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not not too many complaints. We're we're getting towards that that fantastic end of the week, aren't we? Where the mood starts to you know pick up. It's Friday tomorrow, and um, so yeah, and obviously we've got a, an Arsenal game coming up at the weekend. So we have you know, things to look forward to, that's for sure. And this week we've got a very special guest joining us from Wenger's house. But before I introduce him, we need a little bit of clarification from you, um, and that is. What do we call you? I mean, you know, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm near sure you, you know, when we met you before the Brentford game, you, you introduced yourself as Jerome. And then on the text messages on the WhatsApp group, you're popping up as Marcelo. So, you know, my mum taught me to never trust a man with two names. So identify <laughs> yourself, sir. Well, let's hope you can trust me, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Let's, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. So my name is Marcelo. My middle name is Jerome. And I've been okay. making, I've been making music for a little over, well, close to 10 years now. Mm. Um, and so my stage name is Jerome B. So there's this weird fusion of my first name slash tying my music side into it very subtly. So you could call me Marcelo. You can call me Jerome. I'm happy with either. Well, I mean, look, this is a, technically a, a, you know, a performance, right? So we're going to go by your, your stage name. So with that in mind, let's introduce Jerome from Wenger's house. How are you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Doing well, doing well. I'm excited to be on here. It's bright and early stateside. Um, mm. Had to make it happen, though, man. I'm, thanks for having me. And how's the weather over in, in Boston this morning? It's actually pretty shit right now. It snowed a lot last night. Not a lot, but it snowed last night, so everything's frozen. It over would be today. a lot for us. I bet, you know, because we, you know, you, right. in England, we, you know, we get dust in it and we're like, wow, look at all this snow for you guys. You know, a little bit yeah. is probably like two, three inches, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It came down <laughs> out of nowhere. It just started coming down for hours yesterday. So yeah, cool. A bit of a Happy treacherous walkover, but yeah. Well, look, we appreciate you getting up bright and early to join us uh, on the pre-match pint. Um, something we've we've had in mind. I think basically since we met you um, pre-Brentford, right? And you were over here, you know, on your trip. You managed to come over and catch a couple of games. Two great games, may we add, especially that second one, uh, which I was really delighted for you to, you know, to get to witness something like that. But with that in mind, obviously, you know, before we get stuck into the pre-match pint stuff, you know, how how was your trip, first and foremost? You know, what kind of stood out for you? And mm. yeah, just, you know, give us a quick high level overview of, you know, what you experienced in your time as an overseas fan coming over. Yeah, it was really special, man. Um, like you said, first of all, obviously getting six out of six points made it feel a little better. Just there was more to celebrate, but it always um, helps. Yeah. Yeah. I think the main thing that stood out to me was, you know, having grown up in Boston and being a Red Sox fan, just because it's such a big part of the culture of the baseball team over in the United States. Um, it was just really clear to see how important the club is. Arsenal is to the immediate area surrounding you know, the Emirates and just the Highbury area. Um, and I'd been before, but I hadn't been able to really like take my time to enjoy it as much. So just being in the area, I was able to gain more appreciation for how big of a club Arsenal is in the community, even though I knew it, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. then Steve, what was the name of the, the pub you brought me to, invited me to? Um, the Bank of Friendship. That's what it was. Yeah. So even something like that, like getting the authentic, you know, pre-match experience, um that place was packed to the brim and it was just really cool to you know see so many gooners um all getting ready for the same thing man so 
Yeah, the yeah. games themselves, but also just the buzz around the area, even not on match days, just in general, was really special to see and experience myself. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, I did listen, you know, to your, your podcast you did um, with Rocky there recently enough. And I think you touched on something which I actually brought up with Steve afterwards. And it had been a while since you'd been over, right? And the same for myself, obviously, with pandemic and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It had been, you know, I hadn't been to the Emirates since the end of Emery's era. And just you touched up on it and the, the difference in, in mood and, you know, around the ground for the fans and just, I don't know, that just seemed like a different vibe. Um, there's a lot more togetherness, which we spoke about for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, since Arteta's, um, you know, really turned things around for us. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Did you really feel that, you know, we, you know, the, the, the name of the pub really kind of, you know, stood out for me, I think, because if, you know, you look at, you know, some of the people we met that day, Bank of Friendship, you know, I felt like I banked a few uh, new friends uh, on that particular day and got to meet a few new faces, which was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a trip, man, just seeing so many guys who I have, you know, been in touch with and interacting with on Instagram, and then it mm. just becomes real. It was just wild already coming, you know, touching down in the UK and having folks that I could like link up with. That was really special. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, cool. it was it was a great weekend apart from the weather right every time calvin's yeah. been over to calvin's been over twice this season and it's and it's literally been like a storm both times yeah. i remember like the the as a group of us when we left the pub we were all running to, to the ground just getting absolutely drenched it was uh and then i think you had the issue with your ticket right you couldn't get it to load or something because of, yeah uh, yeah i had to get a i had to get a hot spot um remind me his name bruce nana uh, yeah, Josh. Josh, Josh. Yeah, good guy. Bruce Bernard, yeah, yeah, Josh helped me out. So shout out Josh, man. Shout out Josh. But yeah, real quick. Yeah, that uh, I remember the mood was so different because I was there a month before uh, Wenger left. And so it was really, really dismal. Like no one was really happy. The stadium was half empty. Um, yeah, the, there was just the vibe was off. It was very clear to see. So it was really special to see it. First of all, packed, you know, like the Emirates was rocking and just obviously everyone was in a much better mood. Yeah. yeah, definitely helps. Yeah, great. Just one last thing I wanted to kind of touch upon, you know, with you is, you know, you've got a successful Instagram page, right? That's clear to see. Um, you've got more followers than me and Steve combined. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's one of those, but I'd just love to kind of know, you know, what made you start the page? You know, mm. what, was there any particular inspirations behind it? And, you know, how have you found, you know, running such a, you know, a large page? And obviously, look, you enjoy interacting with the fans you've already touched upon, but, you know, yeah. How did it start? What, what you know, mm-hmm. inspired you to do it? Yeah, um, I think it was two things. I think the first thing was obviously, so I started it last April, so like just under a year ago. Mm. Um, so in in the context of where we were, I mean, we were finishing up our were one of our worst seasons in the last 20 or so years, you know, and right. we have had, because of how tough the last decade's been, we've had a very toxic fan base largely and, you know, Social media kind of stirred that up a little bit, but also it's just where we've been as a club compared to where we were early 2000s. So there was that bit, um, wanting to create a more positive space where we could all vent and share our opinions without it being, you know, um, disrespecting players and jumping on the first name to, you know, uh, get at. But it was that mixed with just the pandemic. Uh, You know, I was living in an apartment by myself and I was teaching on Zoom because I'm a teacher. Um, And so the mix of like teaching to a bunch of black squares, like no one had their cameras on. I was just talking to no one. 
yeah. and how shit we were. Like, you know, you remember how bad that last season was or two seasons yeah, we ago did. now. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the combination of those two things, I was just like, I need a place where I can vent without it being too over the top uh, toxic and a place where we can really build community. Yeah. So that's really what it was. And it's been a lot of fun, man. I think the main thing that I've appreciated is just realizing, not realizing, but more proof of how massive a club we are. Because, you know, the people that follow the page are from over 70 countries. And, yep. you know, I didn't quite realize, I knew we were huge, but just to see the names of all these countries that people are following from and interacting yeah. from, it's super inspiring, man. You just get a really good sense of how special uh, Arsenal is, you know? I think, I think what's really great about your page as well is that, like, um, you just write really well. Um, and it's something like, kind of like when we started talking, you have a really good sort of, uh, and, you, and it came across really well on that fan channel. That yeah, that popular that channel. On. Yeah, well done. That fan channel. You should, yeah, <laughs> shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, you, and uh, yeah, and I, I think it's really refreshing to sort of see to see that. And I like we've been speaking about this like for months, like even before we met up at, at the Brentford game. Like, I think it was like when was it? Like September last year. I came. We, I came on your uh, your podcast, and then we 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 talked. And we were like, let's you know. I said, let's you know let's sort of do the opposite and uh it's great to finally have you on and yeah and congrats on the page man it's it's doing some serious numbers and it's it's well deserved word thank you man and hey real quick shout out to steve for getting that benjamin white cosign what that was wild yeah. and that and yeah. the numbers went they just shot up yeah he's global Crazy. now he's too he's big time you, you don't want to be dealing with this guy on the regular basis the, <laughs> the fame has gone to his head lads honestly but yeah. look you know, thanks for that background, uh, Jerome. You know, really appreciate it. Um, and I think, look, with that in mind, uh, before we waffle on for probably, I mean, we could probably do it for the rest of the day. Let's be perfectly honest with you. Mm. Um, look, we're here to to discuss the upcoming match, which is Leicester at home, uh, which is on Sunday. I'm not sure which time, what, what time we're kicking off, chaps. Actually, I didn't check that out. Oh, we, oh so we are oh, the Super Sunday game. Love that. Love yeah. that. So look, we got that to look forward to. Uh, and it's, look, it's another cup final for us, right? Which we keep saying on a weekly basis, becoming a bit cliche at this point, but it's true um, because, you know, the the potential prize at the end of the season for us, um, it's a good one, right? One we used to, to moan about, funnily enough, for years. Um, but it's one that we cannot wait to, to be able to claim, um, hopefully at the end of the season. So with that in mind, I think it's always good to cast our, you know, our minds back to the game earlier in the season. We played them away from home on the 30th of October, a successful game um, for us. Obviously, we came away with the three points, 2-0 victory. Steve, you were obviously at that game, and it was probably one of our away performances of the season so far. Um, I mean, look, you could look at Leeds, obviously, you know, fantastic result, goals, etc. But I think, you know, Leicester are you know strangely or however you want to look at it they are a relatively you know they're a decent club right um, and they've had a decent side for a number of years a bit off the boil this year though of course they're a bit erratic uh, to be perfectly honest with you but even that aside uh, not a lot of people would have probably you know put us down for a 2-0 two 2-0 nil, two nil winning three points coming out of Leicester so Steve just I'll come to you straight away because uh, you obviously you were there you know what are your memories from the game and uh, first and foremost your know, atmosphere I mean, it did look great from what I remember, um, for sure. Yeah, no, it was a great day. Um, going into the game, I think, you know, like you, like you touched upon, like we've always had like a tricky time at, uh, up at Leicester. And I think 
especially in like recent years, there's always that element of doubt when you, you know, away from home. But um, yeah, they, it was a massive result. And yeah, the atmosphere was cracking that day. It was, a, there was a real buzz around, uh, around that stand that day. And, um, you know, we, we, we took the lead quite early on into the game, didn't we? Two first off goals. And then obviously the, the, the Ramsdale saves. Um, I remember the second half, it was quite, it was, it was a bit of a nail biter. You know, we were sort of had, had our backs to the walls um, but their, their, their goal never came, and no, it was it was it was a it was a good one. I, me- I remember actually getting getting really ill after Leicester as well. I remember going up, and it was really a, it was an only more it was a half time kickoff. And I got absolutely soaked on the way to the game, and for the next like two weeks I had a cold. So yeah, that was nice. Nothing, nothing to do with drinking, was it? Nothing at all. But I, it's funny you yeah. mentioned that it, when when I look back to that first half of the season in particular. You know, you mentioned that, you know, we, it was nail biting right in that second half. And it, we weren't great, to be perfectly honest. When you look back at it and you watch it, not, you know, in the moment, you know, like we do from time to time. And there's been a few games like that. And I think someone on, a, on another podcast, and I can't remember which one it was, touched upon it uh, the other day. And it was, you, know, you even look at the, the North London derby at, at the Emirates, right? Great day, you know, fantastic result. We were good for what, 25 minutes, half an hour tops? We weren't great after that. And that seemed to be a bit of a trend um, for, for us earlier in the season. That was another game where I think that definitely comes to mind, mm-hmm. uh, where we rode our luck a little bit. I mean, look, there's the obvious thing that we can definitely talk about. Jerome, I think, you know, you might bring that up when we bring it over to you now. Uh, you know, is there anything that distinctively pops into your mind uh, from that particular away day at Leicester? Yeah, I mean, I think Steve touched on it uh, slightly already, but that's, you know, that superhero save from from Ramsdale, man. Um, and I yeah. think that the thing about that save that obviously the save itself was unreal, but I feel mm. like that was a moment for a lot of us where, you know, it was sort of like the official announcement of the signing and really the moment that shut up a lot of the people who, had some things to say about signing him. Oh, two relegations, you know, not mm. really proving himself, blah, blah, blah. I feel mm. like that was just like, boom, this is why you paid this money for me. Um, you know, mm. I'm really here. And it was, yeah, it was, you know, not many words to describe it, man. It was just unbelievable. It was. I think that's but, such a great way to put it. Sorry, Steve, there, about the superhero. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, the way he flew through the sky is like life. Superman, right? Yeah. It was like a Superman dive. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're absolutely right. It was that, I think that was when we all collectively went, that might be the final nail uh, for Leno's coffin, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest, from an Arsenal career standpoint, uh, because he, he, yeah, he'd been good, obviously. And he's, he's been good throughout the season. Uh, so yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. Steve, sorry, you wanted to, to come in there. Yeah, I distinctly remember actually when we we recorded the podcast after that game, um, and we we were talking about it because I remember you text me uh, and he said and you were like, oh, "What I say for Ramsdale?" Mm. And I, at the time, I assumed you meant when I think he has the goal kick, and he went to the player and they and they shot and he made a good save. Obviously, I miss yeah. I missed the save. Um, yeah, you were getting a beer, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah one of my worst traits. Um, yeah, the amount honestly, Marcelo, the amount of goals I've missed in the past just from. I go down and think I'm going to get a beer um, to miss the cues. I'm terrible for it. Um, and it was in it. What made it even worse? I didn't have any beer. I had to have some awful ale, which uh, wasn't very nice. But no, yeah, that's not anyway, it, yeah, it was a great save. Um, also, I've been doing these Axis All Area videos. I don't know if you've seen him on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he captures it. And it's such, and you, when you see it from the other end of the field, like they were, they were already celebrating. Like you, you, it really puts perspective when you're right behind it. Like you, that it looks like it's going in. It's, it's, it's an incredible save. And um, yeah. Yeah. What, what, what a victory it was. And I think, 
I don't want to say we got overexcited. Obviously, we went to Liverpool and we got kind of stuff there and it sort of brought us back down to earth in, in the following weeks. But I think it was the beginning of like, you know, it shows, you know, what, what this team is capable of. And I remember just the real buzz around the the, the away end and like and the Emerald Smith Roman Saka song, you know, was just rocking all day. Uh, yeah. And that's when it sort of came into fruition. And it was, uh, yeah, all around, it was, you know, it was a great away day and um, yeah, fond memories. Yeah, great away day, great three points. Uh, and on the save, again, not to harp on it too much, but I think, you know, the athleticism in it was was one thing, but it's the actual, you know, the strength of the wrist. And that's it might sound ridiculous, but, you know, as a, someone who used to play in goal when I was growing up, it's really hard um, to maintain a stiff arm and a stiff wrist and then to, you know, to be able to tip it onto the bar. And then, you know, he's, he's absolutely hurled himself across and he got lucky with the rebound, we get it, but he still had to get up. And, you know, you know, had the presence of mind to be able to, you know, put Johnny Evans off, just tapping it into the empty net. Um, so, yeah, absolutely amazing. Obviously, goal scorers that day. Fantastic. Uh, you know, Chicharito-esque backheader from uh, from Gabriel. Uh, and obviously, Smith-Rowe nicely slotted one in from, you know, 12 yards out after a bit of a ping pong in the, in the middle of the penalty box there. So, yeah, great, great result. If we can get something similar on Sunday, I think we'll all be pretty happy with that. So, with that in mind... Was he looking ahead to the game on, on Sunday? Um, you know, lineups, you know, we've touched on it a few times. I think we kind of know where we're at. Um, but Steve, I, you know, I'll put it over to you straight away. I mean, is there anything that you're expecting to see? Or is there, you know, is there any doubts that you think might not be doubts? Uh, and obviously, I'm talking around, you know, ML Smith Rowe, Tommy Arsu in particular. But, you know, how do you think we'll, we'll you know, line up on, on Sunday? See, a part of me thinks we're going to go for the same 11 that we saw against Watford, but then you've got to consider Liverpool. Um, mm. Massive game, you know, three games in six days. So that's that's going to that's gonna play a big part. Um, there's going to be rotation. Um, here's, here's a question, right? Like, would you sacrifice the Liverpool game, right? And say, right, if we can beat Leicester and Villa, we play a weaker team against Liverpool. Because my, you don't want to go, you don't want to go too soft against Leicester and too hard against Liverpool and then, you know, maybe potentially screw yourself over against Villa and Leicester, right? You've got to maybe, you know, kind of work smart, right? Um, if, if, if Smith Rowe and Tommy Asu were fit, who knows what's going on there? Um, I think, I don't think they'd start. I think they'll be on, I think he'd put them on the bench, but I'm expecting uh, a reasonably similar team to what we saw against Watford. It's just, yeah, it's just that Liverpool piece. Um, how how is Arteta going to play it? I think if someone said to you now, you know, would you would you take six points out of possible nine? I think you'd, you'd bite your hand off. You'd bite the hand off, right? Um, Liverpool's such a tough game, and I think listen, if, if there's no shame in losing to them, um, yeah. So that's that's sort of my outlook. Um, yeah, it's such a great point that you raised there because I think we've all had that conflicting thought process where. Yeah, you know, Liverpool is, is, you know, when you do look at those games, Liverpool and City, um, whether it's home or away, I think, you know, as much as the fan side of you wants us to take it to them, sometimes you've got to think of the bigger picture, haven't you? And it's a case of, look, I don't like to write off any game. I, ju I just don't. But sometimes you've got to do it for the greater good. Um, and like you said, if, if you offered us all six points out of nine, you know, out of these next three games, I think most of us would take it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so it's interesting. You never want to throw a game uh, and that'll piss a lot of people off naturally. And you can understand why. Yeah, no, I completely agree with what Steve is saying. Um, I don't really think that it would make sense to throw Tomiyasu and Smith Rowe back into the mix, given that we yeah. have two more games in such a short span right after that. 
So I think we're probably going to see the same starting 11. Um, and that makes sense. You know, you don't need to switch it up, especially if it has been working. Um, and then I think for Liverpool, we will see Tomiyasu definitely come back to the starting 11 because it's no secret that he's much more defensively solid than, than Cedric. To be fair, Cedric's done pretty well. He's, I think he's, you know, um, yeah, he's defended himself well because we were, a lot of us had serious doubts. Long term, he's not that guy, but um, he's done his, he's held his own. So, yeah, um, I, part of me thinks that he is, Mikel's going to stick with a, a strong 11 for Liverpool, though, just because I agree that I would rather, you know, guaranteed win Leicester Villa, but knowing Arteta, he's going to want to see how far we've come since that capitulation at Anfield you know it was really came down I mean they were likely to win regardless but we remember it started going downhill when Nuno Tavares kind of showed his inexperience and you know yeah he showed that he's still a very young guy so I think Arteta is going to be really curious to see you know with Tierney in the side with some more experience in the side and in general this the team is much more gelled now I think he's going to be really curious to see if we can, you know, really give it to Liverpool because obviously there's still going to be favorites to win. I mean, we haven't won there in what we haven't beat them in the Prem in how long, like five, six Uh, years or something now. I think there was a strange result, wasn't there? Was it, was it in COVID times where Laka, we won two, two, one fans. We haven't fans. I think it was like 2015 or something. Yeah, it's um, still a while ago, though, isn't it? That's case. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't. Yeah. You know. um, it's yeah. also it's also worth mentioning. I think I think they'd already won the title right at that point when oh, we yeah. beat him. Very. They, 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 yeah, they, they yeah. were still hungover. They were still hungover. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I want to see us put a really strong side out against Liverpool, but like Steve, I would definitely rather you know guarantee or all but guarantee six points out of nine instead of risking you know falling off by the time we get to Villa as well yeah no absolutely Steve just before we obviously move on is there anything else you kind of wanted to add uh with, with the game in mind my, my favorite player Jamie Vardy uh, a bit of context I can't stand Jamie Vardy <laughs> I love his, I, I love his shithousery but when it's against you you can't help but despise the guy mm-hmm. and apparently he's out so um yeah that's that, that's a massive uh, plus I think it's, it's such a winnable game um and yeah, like you know, coming off coming off, uh, you know, a big win on Sunday, scoring goals, it's just that defensive piece, isn't it? But he's you know, he's going to be a big, he's going to be a big, he's going to be a big miss for them. And you know, like like um, we talked about the buzz around Arsenal and the Emirates at the moment. I think you know, there's going to be uh, a, a good crowd and uh, yeah, a lot of noise. I'm going down. I've got a ticket. I literally, I wasn't planning on going, and then. I was coming back from Watford on Sunday and I said to my mate, shall we go? <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> go on then. Get well, that's good. Look, I hope not just for all of us, but you know, you get, you know, get to celebrate the three points in the stadium because it's all, it always makes the day, doesn't it? Uh, it's, it's one of those weird things like, you know, Jerome, obviously for you, when you made your trip, if we hadn't won either of those games, the trip would have been deemed, look, it would have been great. But it would have had a bit of a sour, sour taste um, in the mouth when when you were going back. But lovely segue, actually, Steve, bringing up Jamie Vardy. And I think you know one of the aspects of the pre-match pint show that you know I quite enjoy is, is looking back over um, you know previous notable games. And one thing that definitely sprung to mind for me when when looking at some of the the games that we've had over Leicester over the years, there's a lot. There's a lot of 
great games that we've actually had against them for one reason or the other. Um, but one, you know, the last one I went to against Leicester, funnily enough, was the season opener, opener uh, a couple of years ago, the 4-3 on a Friday night. And I took a, a mate of mine, funnily enough, he's an American guy as well, Jerome. He's originally from New York. And he was living around the corner from the Emirates at the time, which was great. So I came over for the weekend, stayed there, walked around to the ground, walked home, uh, you know, in 15 minutes, which was Sick. a wonderful experience, to say the least. But, you know, he'd never been before. But speaking of shithousery, you know, you know, Vardy loves to celebrate. So just for context, I was sat, what, four rows behind the goal that Lacazette scored his, you know, his opening goal, you know, uh, in the first couple of minutes there. But obviously, Jamie Vardy then went in the second half to score in the in the same goal. And he, and I swear to God, guys, like, he celebrated, like, and I'm not joking you, he caught my eyes, stared me in the face and was just giving it a big one. And I was just like, I couldn't help but smile at him as much as he annoys me, right? I can only imagine the feeling of like bagging a goal in front of some opposition fans and just sticking it to him. Like as much as he annoys me, I can, I really can understand like, you know, Stevie, what he said, you love it when it's not against you. Right. It's, it's fantastic. Like some of the celebrations where he you know, howled like a wolf against wolves and, you know, start, you know, celebrate like an eagle at palace, just absolute shithousery. And I love like Ramsdale loves that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's great when it's us, but that that was something that I really distinctly remember. I was just like, you bastard. But yeah, funny at the same time. Look, we had the last laugh, so it was fine in the end. So that was one game that sprung to mind was that absolute ding-dong battle, opening game of the season, 4-3. Uh, is it, you know, Jerome, I'll probably just throw it over to you first. Is there any particular games that stand out to you uh, that we've had against Leicester over the years? Well, I mean, there are a couple ones. Uh, the first one for me, and it's a little timely too because of the Wolves result we had. Um, you know, the Welbeck winner was very special just in that they were both um, last second uh, games. But yeah, I mean, the other one, uh, one of the ones that we talked about before we um, before we chopped it up here was the uh, the Champions League game, uh, Celta Vigo 2004. Um where yeah it was Henri had a brace um and the, that was wild to me was that I think in the high yeah in the highlights that you sent it was his first Champions League goal at Highbury in two years um that that blew my mind but that was it was disappointing that you know you can go undefeated a whole season and then some right in the league but yeah. it just doesn't quite fall into place in the other competitions and that hurts to yeah. see so yeah, you're talking about the the, the the you know the similar season. We're going to come on to that game in a minute for on this. Oh you know, yeah, the, yeah, sorry. The, on this day, no, no, absolutely fine because it does tie in quite nicely with one of the other games. I mean, Steve, I, you know, you, you actually brought this to my attention before the podcast, so I'll throw it quickly over to you there. This was one game which it does escape my mind um, from time to time because it's not one of the you know standout performances of that invincible season. But yeah, Steve, you brought up this game, so you know what what are some of the notable games from from your point of view? Are we talking the one-one or the three-three or the two-one? What we talked Invinci- about? Invincible, invincible season. If you're paying oh, attention, invin- Jesus Christ! I was, I was paying attention. Sorry, I was, <laughs> I was, I was. Look, I've got notes here, so I, was, I, I can't multitask. How long have you? I know, been? I know. Yeah, too long at this stage already. <laughs> so we, we had the the obviously the one-one uh, early in the season when Gilberto Silva scored mm-hmm. in the second half and, and then Ashley Cole was sent off and then Craig Hignett scored in the in the, in the 93rd minute um, just a bit of context mm-hmm. for our younger listeners like back when you know I started watching football 
in the kind of early 2090s, Leicester were essentially what I'm going to say what Norwich are now. They're a Fulham. They, you know, they were they were never this top six club. They were, you know, they they'd usually get relegated. They spend a few years in the league below, then they come back up, and they were a yo-yo mm. club. They were never, you know, it was they're a million miles away from what they are now. Um, Boom. and then obviously. Yeah. And there's obviously the the, the two one, um, which you know I was watching the highlights in preparation, and like the, the goal is actually offside. I actually tweeted a picture. If he, I phrased it where he passed the ball, and uh, Paul Dickoff, former Arsenal man, obviously scores the goal, and yeah, it, it was offside. And then yeah, we obviously came back, and that 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 goal, that a second goal, um, just the ball from Bertkamp, and I think it's yeah, yeah it's Vieira. Just that movement, it's it's so incredible. Like how you watch it, I think how how is that even possible? Like to, to do that around a defense, it's just majestic. Um, and then obviously the kind of other game was the 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 free all in uh with Burkamp with that absolute stunning finisher. Um it was it was Filbert Street at the old ground, wasn't it? Yeah, lovely bit of quiz. I was gonna actually ask that out to you. You know, what was the ground called? Uh yeah, Filbert Street spot on Steve. Bit of ground, mate, bit of stadium knowledge ne- for you. Love that. Ne- never test me, mate. Oh, I'll always win. Actually, I, I say that now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get ahead of yourself. We'll let we'll edit that. Cut that yeah, out. <laughs> cut that out. Cut that out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, that three three, uh, you know. You know, not you know, you're going all the way back to Jesus Christ. I think that would have been what 96, maybe. Uh, yeah, three fantastic goals. Uh, the first one, absolute just finesse. I mean, if you're talking, you know, FIFA, uh, yeah, you're, you're hitting that trigger, mate, and phew, edge of the box, perfect position, top top corner, right in the stanchion. Um, you'll, you'll appreciate you'll appreciate that, Steve, uh, and any of our listeners <laughs> used to watch Gavin and Stacey will also appreciate that as well. Um, but yeah, I think you know, so many great, great. Great games. Uh, and, you know, you touched on Dennis Burkamp, you know, that's, you know, that assist in that last game. That particular season, um, he had some absolutely astounding assists. You know, his footwork, his vision, like, like you, the word you use, majestic, I think that's absolutely spot on. He was just that, that season. Um, you know, he was unbelievable. And it's funny because, you know, sometimes younger fans be like, oh, you know, I, you know, show me a clip or explain Dennis Burkamp to me. I, you know, I was never fortunate enough to watch him. And there's one in particular from, you know, that kind of era. There's a, and it's quite similar to the game we'll come on to, which Jerome touched on already, the Celta Vigo home match. He had a beautiful assist in that. And it's very similar and reminiscent to uh, an assist that season he did against Juve uh, at home for Freddie Jumberg, which, I mean, look, if you've never, never seen it, just honestly, I swear to God, whip onto YouTube. To just spend 10 seconds of watching that absolute yeah, yeah. I mean yeah well I can't even find the words to to actually uh describe it Steve might can I just interject a second if you think about how compact the hybrid pitch was and how effortlessly they made it look all the time it was uh it was an incredible time and uh yeah mm. miss it miss those days yeah I think that's a really good point actually I'll, I'll throw it over to you guys real quick um Steve obviously come to you on it first because you brought it up but that was something which always kind of I questioned when we moved from Highbury to the Emirates because look, we always knew that Highbury being tight, compact pitch, we made it really hard for for you know the opposition to come and beat us there. And I always always felt that it was you know a benefit to us. Um, you know we knew how to play on that size pitch, and it did as much as I you know understood that Wenger's style of play meant you know you know we should be able to take advantage of the bigger, wider pitch, you know open spaces, etc. But I did always wonder why did we not keep that. Um, did, did you ever feel that yourselves at all, Steve, on that one? I mean, yeah, it, it's a it's a good conversation piece. It probably came down to just 
the size of the stadium. Um, and if you think about like, even now, like it just feel like you're a little, I mean, it's not, it's not in terms of like West Ham, but you are a little yeah. far from the pitch. So, mm. you know, if, if it was any smaller, um, you get into the realms of needing binoculars, but um, yeah, it's, it's a good point. Yeah. Just to hop in there. Cause you know, I obviously really dove into being an Arsenal fan after that move had already happened. Um, being from the States and, you know, just discovering the Prem a little later, but it's a little frustrating when you look at sides like Chelsea and, and Liverpool who've, you know, stayed at Stamford bridge and Anfields. They've managed to do some renovations and, you know, expand the capacity a little bit, but they've still maintained that atmosphere um, at their stadiums. And, you know, Highbury was different class as well, but I I heard that, you know, it was just the fact that not only was such a compact stadium, but because it was just so quite literally in the neighborhood, like it was just so close to all these residential homes and, and that, so I, I, I was, I've heard that it was really hard for them to actually build any more stands to increase the capacity. So I feel like after a certain point, yeah, it was just a matter of they had to make that move. Um, but the Emirates, obviously, I mean, I was never at Highbury, but it is a little bit far from the pitch. And however, as a new fan, I do want to say if the, the Wolves game was anything to go by, we might slowly be starting to see the start of an Emirates that is really becoming more of a fortress because it hasn't quite been that. And Arteta's got the fan base closer to the club than we have been in a really long time. So I am hopeful that we are going to start seeing an Emirates that at least feels more compact than it actually is. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Steve, I see you raising your hand there as well. Just, uh, I'll come out and throw it up to you in a second. So yeah, on the, the stadium piece, I mean, look, yeah, you, you spot on it. It was in that, it's a heavily built up area, um, you know, houses pretty much lying hybrid, which you can still walk around these days. But the, I think the biggest issue we had was, you know, the East and West stands, which are still there from the outside, obviously. Um, they were listed buildings from the National Trust. Uh, and that that kind of stumped everything. That You, you can't change them, unfortunately. Um, there's nothing you can do. So I think that really hampered us. Steve, was there anything you wanted to add on that as well? Yeah, like I think, yeah, you made some great points there, but if you're like, you know, it, it was like, unless you sort of built on top of the North Bank and clock end, which is pretty much impossible with, with the landscape it's in. I think it's, what I will say is credit where credit is due, like keeping the the new ground in, in the area. Um, you know, how, how many new, how many clubs now, like they have their uh, their new stadiums out, like, you know, on, on a motorway junction, you know, miles out of the town. So I think it's really great that we've been able to keep it, um, you know, in the area. And it is a shame, like, um, you know, before we, uh, the Brentford game, we, we went down uh, to the Bank of Friendship as we mentioned, and obviously we passed Highbury, and it's 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 so nice to have that there. And um, whenever I can on match day, I do love to to walk past it and uh, have a look. And it's still a very special place, right? And it's it's you know you still have the market stalls, and it still feels like very very important and very prevalent in in uh, you know even even you know nearly twenty well was it twenty five thousand six was the last season there. So yeah, nearly twenty yeah. years. Long ago. time ago. How time flies when you're shit. <laughs> obviously jokes aside um, but look I think we'll leave that there for looking back over Leicester some some, some great memories and um, you know some great games that you know we've all experienced down the years and some some really fantastic goals as well I think one thing actually just before we do do move on quick score predictions Steve I know you're going to probably say 10-0 uh, just to up it from last week so Jerome I'll come to you first what, what's your result prediction for this 
I'm going to go with another 2-0. I think I'm feeling the same scoreline. Um, mm. I think, yeah, you know, Leicester's got some quality in attack, but Vardy is obviously that engine, you know, he's such a pest. Um, and so without him, I feel like we won't have as many headaches to deal with defensively. But without Smith Rowe and Tomiyasu, Leicester's, you know, they've gotten a lot better. Like uh, we were talking about earlier, you know, we were fortunate to get them when they were in a really, really low place and they've, they've cleaned up their act a little bit. So I think clean sheet, but we're not going to, you know, go crazy on them. So 2-0. I'm going to say um, a simple six goals to three. And I think Jamie Vardy will score six own goals. Make it that way. I don't, I don't give predictions, mate. Just, just I know you don't. So, so you're going to win anyway. I'm just going to ask you from future then: win, lose, or draw. Uh, so I think, you're going to I think win. We'll go. We'll go for an Arsenal win, but don't. I don't like to tempt fate. Don't like Neither tempt do fate. I. Maybe we'll remove this, Steve. Uh, moving forward, I mean, it's gone well so far. Um, we've done it once, yeah. and we got it right. Uh, but if, if you're really not a fan of tempting fate, we, we can remove it, mate, because I know you're a sensitive soul. Steve, okay. you got to put some money down for that 6-3, though. If it happens, you're set. <laughs> with the Jamie Vardy six own goals. What? I mean, yeah, obviously, the odds, they probably won't even take the bet, to be honest with you. But... Right, yeah. They'd be like, go home, get some sleep. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> drugs, drugs are bad. Stop. <laughs> Stay in school. Where's, where's your carer? <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look, that's... Leicester, done and dusted. Uh, and on this day, match edition uh, on this week's pre-match pint, as we've kind of touched upon already, uh, we're going all the way back to that magical era of 2004. Mm. Um, and it was the second leg of a Champions League knockout game uh, against Celta Vigo at the nostalgic Highbury Stadium. We took a lead, uh, we took the win uh, 2-0 on the evening. Uh, which resulted um, in a 5-2 victory on aggregate. We'd had a really... I see, it's funny, when I looked at this game, I actually remember more about the away leg. And I don't know whether it's because, you know, when you know Champions League football back then, it wasn't as accessible as it is now, right? Um, you know, we don't have match choice and, you know, that goal show on BT, for example, which is great from a neutral perspective. Um, but, you know, it was a choice of, you know, some weeks Arsenal were on ITV, some weeks they weren't. Um, so maybe that might have been the home leg, which was one of those which wasn't. But I distinctly remember Edu's fantastic goal uh, away at Celta Vigo. But looking back to this one, it was uh, Omri with both the goals. Uh, and as Jerome already pointed out, it was his first Champions League home goal in, in two years, which is staggering when you think of how good that man was. Um, but as we like to do with on this day, I'm going to throw it over to the pair of you. Can you name the lineup? Pass. <laughs> Pass. Obviously, let's start um, with the goalkeeping. Jerome, do you want to kick it off, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll go with Lemon. Yeah. Lemon. Love the pronunciation. Lemon in goal. Exposing yeah. okay. myself. Layman. Crazy ends. Yeah. Spot yeah, on. Played every game. Uh, centre-back mm. pairing. I'm going to go um, Campbell Torre. Spot on, Steve-o. Do you want to take the full-backs? Yep. Um, yep. I'm going to go Cole and Lauren. Okay. Solid. Five out of five, lads. This, this, is, this, this is a really this, easy one, to be fair. 
is it the the thing is we always think of the classic eleven, right? But then when you actually mm. look at the teams that season, there was a lot of chopping, changing. This Ed was you, the classic Ed, eleven, to be fair. Oh, okay. Oh wow. It really, it really was. I mean, look, I know I'm giving away, and I'm saying it's so easy. It really <laughs> is. Vieira, Gilberto, Preslumberg, Omri Burkamp. One, one minor. Gilberto didn't play, but you've already said the other guy that did. Oh. Eddie. Yeah. And up front, Omri Burkamp. Yeah. Yep. That's it. It literally is, is close. Yeah. It is. Close yeah. To that. Basically, the classic. Absolute classic. Yeah. And obviously, um, you know, as we all, you know, we, we look back on these days and when we record, you know, on a Champions League day um, in midweek, you know, recording this podcast midweek. Yeah. It's, it's always that extra bit of nostalgia when we look back to these games uh, in the Champions League. I mean, attending Champions League games, there's just something special in it about watching football in floodlights. I don't know what it is. And it, you get that extra bit of stardust, I guess, when you hear that Champions League anthem. Um, and I used to love going to those 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 evening games uh, in the Champions League at Highbury. There, there was something just you know I used to you know get in the ground a little bit early. Uh, my dad's best mate used to be a steward at, in the in the West Stand, so occasionally you know if I went straight up from from college, you know I go into the West Stand before before the public would be allowed and just go and stand right behind the TV gantry. And there'd just be the Champions League, you know, the the logo laid out in the middle of the pitch. And it was like always the quiet before the storm. Um, you know, you, you were so close to the pitch, you could smell the grass, freshly cut grass, obviously. It always looked immaculate, that that ground. Um, so, yeah, I, I just hope and pray to God that we can have the these fixtures back um, next season. Is there anything else, Steve or Jerome, you wanted to add it on, the, on this day match? No, all good, mate. Oh, good. Cool. And I know Steve's itching to get onto the next piece, um, which is something we introduced on the, the first pre-match point podcast we did last week. Um, and we're introducing the player profile. Last week we discussed, um, you know, Arsenal man Jack Wilshere. And this week's player was picked by Steve. And he's one of his all-time favourite Arsenal players. Uh, and that man, Steve, is? The Invisible Wall, also known as Gilberto Silva. Um one of my favourite Arsenal players, and actually, I've just I've recently got some shirts printed uh, from John from Israel's Gold, and he's printed uh, my O O two or three blue away shirt with Gilberto, mm. and it looks absolutely beautiful. But yeah, um, just got a few a, a few a few facts and figures. So he made 170 appearances uh, for the Arsenal, scoring 17 goals with 11 assists. Um, signed in uh, the season O two O three, came in just after the double. Um, and then left his final season was 07 08. And uh, yeah, I think I think he's such an underrated player and he was so he was so important to to that to that Arsenal team and to to that um that invincible side. If you remember like in the 0405 season, he only made 13 appearances. He spent most of the season out injured and, and um that was the sort of year kind of Fabregas broke in to the team with Vieira, but I think we, we really missed Gilberto and obviously that was a season where Chelsea kind of had all the money and there, you know, we could, we didn't really spend that much, and they sort of pulled away. Um, but no, he was yeah one of my one of my all time favorite players, and um, I think he you know, was was he official captain? On I know he used to wear the but Armand from time to time. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because obviously when we you know I sent over the highlight reels for you know the goals he scored. When you look back at why well, he scored a lot of headers, uh, which took me yeah. he actually scored more goals than I remember to be perfectly honest with you. But yeah, when you look at those, a lot of the time he was wearing that that captain's armband. So. I'm trying to think, 
Did he initially take over from Vieira once he left? No. So Henri had the captain unbanned in 05, 06. So he must have been vice then. Oh six, oh seven. Omri was still there. That was the first season of the Emirates, so I think Omri was still captain. And then oh seven away, didn't Galas take the captain our band? <laughs> Jesus, that's a memory we all need to um, erase. Our best yeah. number ten. Our best number ten. <laughs> it's a travesty. How on earth did he it's get not only the armband, the, the, the number ten? Honestly, disgraceful. It, I don't get it. I'll never understand that. No, that's probably one of the worst things as a club we've done in my lifetime. To be honest. Makes yeah, me it has to be. There's no excusing. There's no excusing that one. No, no. absolutely. It's a great fact there, Steve. Uh, 170 appearances, the invisible wall, as we all call him. Jerome, what, what were your particular memories? You know, as you say, this would have probably been around the time you started really getting involved in, in the Arsenal. So, mm-hmm. Well, uh, two things. I mean, one, obviously, I had no um, part in this, but I was reading the, I read the um, Arsene Wenger biog- autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um and one story that really stood out to me, and it was one of my favorite moments from the book, spoiler alert, is um, that David Dean was, you know, he was on another level in terms of recruitment. And he went so far out of his way to, you know, make sure that he could secure whoever we needed to get. But he went to Brazil because um, this was, remember, we signed him right after Brazil won the World Cup. So Arsene Wenger was there scouting him. Um, and that's where he really noticed him. But David Dean went to um, Brazil and he basically camped, literally camped himself outside of Atletico Mineiro's um, training ground until they agreed to let us sign him. Like he was out there every day until the late hours. Um, so even before he got there, that was that excited me. Just a quick moment to really appreciate uh, the pronunciation of that club name, by the way, was astonishing. Ah. 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Uh, you really, Thanks. you really don't, you know, you went into that South American accent there. Just, you know, yeah, right, right. yeah, no. So I'm from, um, I'm, a, I'm from a city called Somerville outside of, Bo- right outside of Boston. So there's a hmm. huge Brazilian population. Um, and actually a lot of people think I'm Brazilian because my first name is Marcelo and I love football. So people confuse that all the time, but yeah. So even before, thank you though. But even before he signed, I thought that was just such a cool um, fact. And then also, you know, me starting to support Arsenal a little later on was the fact that he did score our first uh, ever goal at the Emirates. Um, yeah. Gilberto. It was a, I think it was a one, one draw. One, one um, draw at home to Aston Villa. Right. Uh, yeah. So that was a cool, that was a, just a cool fact. Cause he wasn't, you know, obviously known particularly for his goal scoring, but that's a pretty significant one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, when you, when we look back to, you know, over the history, you know, the first competitive game at the Emirates is quite a significant day. Uh, one I was lucky enough to be part of. A quick, quick quiz. Who got the assist for that particular goal? That's over my head. Yeah, I can't remember that. I'm a, no idea. A young and upcoming magician, Theo Walcott. Ooh. Oh, really? There we go. There we go. There we go. If it, I, d- I did sort of um, write down some of his favourite goals and I didn't actually write that one down because I thought, well, even though it was the first of the Emirates, it wasn't, a, it wasn't that memorable yeah, you know. it wasn't. If it would have been a winner, different story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always the the con. It was a good finish, but you know when you look at the context of getting a a scrappy one one draw against you know Villa weren't great back then. Let's be perfectly honest. Uh, it was a, a game we were probably all expecting to win, um, and especially around that time, you know there was such you know it'd been a couple of years since we won the league. Um, 
but we were, you know, we were considered, you know, a much better side than probably what we were now, even if it wasn't quite there. I guess we were still living off the wave and that, you know, that that invincible side, uh, which which did so many great things. So yeah, that's the the player profile, Gilberto. Steve, I'll ask you one last time because I know you like, you know, you love the guy. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up which you haven't touched upon already? If not, we can move on. Um, just just a couple of his goals actually. Um, go for it. So. Just wanted to mention, obviously, he scored that, uh, the only goal in a community shield back in 2002 when we beat Liverpool 1-0. He mm-hmm. came off the bench and it was a really nice finish. Right. And then he scored He scored in the Champions League in a 4-0 away win against PSV. He scored, in, he scored after 21 seconds, um, which was you know, Tierra Henry, I think, with the assist in that game. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, the, we mentioned earlier that the head against Leicester. One game that always sort of stands out to me, and actually, uh, the, the you remember the four 0 victory over Middlesbrough in that in the invincible season. Yes, that was where Perez kind of from the wing, and we just we absolutely tear them apart in that in that we beautiful did. yellow strip. Um, but I one one game that's early, yeah. yeah, one game that springs to mind, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a strange one. Um, it was the NEA five oh six season. Um, it was a final season at Highbury, and we drew two all away at Doncaster in the Carabao Cup or what was mm-hmm. known as the Carling Cup and, and uh, Doncaster were like in League One at the time so several leagues below and um, we, 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 we trailed the game twice and in, in the 120th minute Gilberto equalised if, if you remember the goal uh, check it out on YouTube he literally sprints like the length of the field and like nudges the ball home and um, I remember that season so well because uh, you touched on it before like when, when I grew up we only had like um, channels one to four you know, you know channel five was like back in the day and we never had smartphones and I could only ever watch Arsenal if they were on BBC and the FA Cup or ITV Champions League and or the radio, right? It was all teletext. Literally, that was it. You couldn't watch any of the games. And that season, my, my one, of, one of my best friends, his parents just got Sky Sports. So it was the first season I could watch. I was watching his Arsenal games. And uh, I just remember us losing all the time that season. Like <laughs> we had a real, <laughs> that, that, we all talk about that kind of that, that burgundy shirt. Um, and I just have really bad memories of it because we we our league form was terrible that season. We lost so many right, games, right. and I remember just no, we weren't apart from the Champions League room. And I just remember that League Cup game, thinking like, oh my god, like how how, how we have fallen from grace. And uh, you know, he saved, he spared our blushes that night. And uh, well, then we, obviously we we went on to to lose the League Cup semi final um, at home. Wigan, uh, I think we I think we we won two one on the night, but on the away goals rule. Paul Jules Wigan knocked us out. Paul Jules, Jesus Christ, what a name. Paul Jules. Um, yeah, one of those nights that you just, yeah, you, you don't like to look back on that kind of, I don't know what it is with, uh, you know, ever since we won the, you know, the FA Cup League Cup double all the way back in the early 90s against Sheffield Wednesday. I don't know what it is with us in that competition, but, you know, there's a, some really painful memories. I obviously remember when we bought Jose Reyes. I think one of his first things he did was go and score an own goal away at Middlesbrough. Um, yeah. And, you know, back in the days of Janino that, you know, they knocked us out. There's that one. You know, I'm not even going to talk about the Birmingham one, the final. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, it was... yeah, it's not been great, has it? To be honest, it's not been great. That, that competition's been, uh, yeah, an absolutely fucking nightmare to say the least. But look, we're going to move it on because uh, I know, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of pushing for time here a little bit. Um, but the kind of final thing that, new feature that we kind of wanted to to bring into the podcast was you know, just kind of talk over a shirt of the week. Uh, so as our guest is Jerome, um, we asked him to pick, you know, any particular shirt. No no reasons behind it necessarily. It doesn't have to be your all-time favourite. It might be, because it is a bit of a belter, to be honest with you. Um, Jerome decided to pick the 2010-11 home shirt. 
Um, just very quickly, I know we'll probably talk about it for those who, you know, sometimes like me, these years are so long ago that they they all kind of blend into one. The shirt we're particularly talking about here is it's so traditionally Arsenal and it's the shirt that we wore that, that wonderful evening uh, when we beat Barcelona 2-1 uh, and our Shavin scored the winner that evening. So that, that just, you know, if you can visualise that shirt, that's the one we're going to discuss. And um, so quickly, first and foremost, Jerome, what made you pick that shirt? Yeah, a couple things. I mean, of course, first thing being the result itself and how memorable a night that was. Um, I was still relatively early on in my days of supporting Arsenal. So I think that was, you know, I missed the glory days. So that was one of those first nights where I really, really felt how special it feels to support, to love a club and to see your club win a big match like that. Um, But I more so chose it as a form of manifesting uh, in hopes of manifesting because one thing about um, that night obviously was the Champions League is like you touched on the Champions League is just a different stage. It's, it's another level. And I think back to that side and that was now it's crazy to say 11 years ago. Right. Um, and I really feel like that was the last side we had where we had this crop of young players that, had that potential to take us to another level. And then obviously it sort of fell apart, but I look at the current side we have and I see so much young talent um, everywhere. And the thing that excites me is, you know, the Champions League is where you make that statement of like that arriving at the biggest stage. And so I see Smith Rowe, Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka. I see all these guys announcing themselves next season when we are hearing that anthem again so I chose this kit because it is such a special memory but I also I'm just praying like you did earlier that we see these guys wearing that badge hearing that anthem uh in a few months time you know in the fall yeah hopefully hopefully indeed um Steve-o throw it over to you is there anything you know we, we, you know, we. One of the things that brought us together originally was not just our love for Arsenal, but you know, we love talking about shirts, right? Really. So, when you think of this shirt, is there anything that kind of springs to mind for you? Is there any, you know, other games, you know, other than the Barcelona game? Um, is there any kind of moments or players that kind of spring to mind for any particular reason for you? Um, I mean, for, for me, it just it reminds me of Seth Fabregas. I, w- I was very fortunate. Um, this was a kind of period in my life where I started to go foot, go to the football on the regular and I could I could afford to go and I went to a lot of games that season. Um, and it's it's such a classic shirt in terms of like when you look at what the Arsenal shirt is, the classic, um, you know, red, red shirt, uh, white shorts, white sleeves. It's just that, right? With, with the hoops, like it's so classic. It's so minimalistic and sometimes less is more. But no, it's, it's a beautiful shirt and um, we only actually wore it for one year. It was back when... You know, we used to wear home shirts for two seasons because um, after the following year was the 125th anniversary shirt. But no, it was a great shirt. Um, <laughs> got some weird memories. I remember like we lost to Tottenham in that shirt and <laughs> they beat us for the first time in like 15 years. We were tuned up in that game. Why? Um, Why did you have to bring that out? Why? Yeah. Why? I'm asking for the I mean, good memories, Steve. Not I mean, the fucking terrible ones. <laughs> he's Jesus. a realist. He's a realist. I know, yeah. he really is. I mean, but we, yeah, we beat Barca in it. And yeah, it was, it was a great team. And I think it was a criminally underrated team. I think... What mm. we what we really missed that season was a uh, defensively we 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 fell a bit short. I think Almunia was in goal. 
he was very questionable in those later years. And um, but we had an incredible front line: Van Persie, uh, Seth, Nasri had a really good season in that shirt. Uh, it was it was an exciting time. Obviously, the summer that uh, the summer came and Nasri and Fabregas left, uh, and I think Arteta came in um, at the end of that season. But no, it was it was a great shirt, and um, yeah, one one, one one very underrated, and um, yeah. Big, a yeah, good, a good choice. A good choice. Yeah, it's a solid choice. It's right there, one of my favourites as well, um, just for the simplicity of it. Um, but you know, you definitely touched on one one player that definitely springs to mind for me. You know, you just mentioned there. We don't have overly fond memories because of what he went on to do. Um, and that man is obviously Sami Nasri. But the one goal, or a couple of goals actually, that spring to mind is from the same game, um, and it's Fulham at home, mm-hmm. uh, where he danced his way around uh, the defence on a couple of occasions uh, and scored a goal doing some some spin off balance yeah but, you know that it was the, it was the era of the snood as well uh, which quickly got banned actually um well, you know weird weird period to look back on um so yeah i mean look great shirt Jerome wonderful pick um you know it is you. it's a traditional Arsenal show so you wanted one last thing there yeah well i mean I forgot to mention, obviously, the player that that sprung to mind for me was Jack Wilshere. I know you guys talked about him in the uh, pre-match pint episode uh, prior. Um, And yeah, you know, I'm gutted that things didn't work out for him. It hurt to hear him say that his biggest regret was leaving when Emery came in and not just staying and fighting for his place. But I'm happy for him that he's playing somewhere now. I just wanted to say shout out to Jack for finding a club. Finally, he's in Denmark. I hope it works we, out, man. I'm really happy that our Tets are brought think, him back, even if it was just to train, you know? Yeah, I think we all appreciate that sentiment. And Jack will always hold a, you know, a special place in all of our hearts, I think. And it's, you know, as we discussed on that that last podcast, um, you know, it, it was just, yeah, sad to see how it went, unfortunately. But, okay, usually I kind of wrap it up at this point, Jack, but I just need one last final quick segment and we're all going to have a quick say on this. Um, Steve, you mentioned this earlier. I did want to bring it up earlier, completely forgot, because that's just how I roll. Uh, but, you know, when we look back to 2004, you know, and you mentioned Chelsea came in around that time and started spending a lot of money. And this obviously is not a Chelsea related podcast. However, the news that came out this morning um, is being incredibly seismic. Um, you know, just for those who are not aware, I'll be surprised if you're not. If you live under a stone, you might not have heard this. But Roman Abramovich has had all of his UK assets frozen, obviously, as part of the ongoing uh, war uh, between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, and basically, some of the highlights that have come out of this are that Chelsea can still operate under a, speci- a special license, but the sale of the club has now been banned. Uh, they will not be allowed to transfer any players or renew any new contracts. Uh, no merchandise sales are also allowed. Uh, their club shop has been closed. Uh, the club will not be allowed to sell any more match day tickets. Only season ticket holders can go to games. Uh, and this also applies to the sale of away end tickets that's a lot to digest um and unfortunately it's something as a football fan yeah you know drones rubbing his hands together and i am too and i'm having a good laugh about it the circumstances in which it's come about however yeah it's really really horrible i don't want to get into the political side of it because i'm not educated enough to do so to be perfectly honest with you but from purely a footballing point of view Let's all laugh at Chelsea. Uh, long overdue. Um, you know, Steve, we were talking about this, um, I think it was yesterday, and just the, the seismic change uh, that they, they brought to the game um, distorted everything 
Um, it was incredibly unfair, you know, the way they went about their business. And there's one particular image which flashes back to me on a regular basis when I think of Chelsea fans. I mean, as we discussed recently, they're not the greatest bunch. Um, but it, it, when he took over, and I don't know whether you're, you know, you might remember this, Steve, but their fans used to take fake money to, to, to grounds, big wads of it, and then just flap it around, um, you know, whilst they're in the stadium. And I just thought they're a distasteful bunch. Um, you know, they were a mediocre club way back then until he came in and, you know, changed the face of the the, the Premier League. So, Steve, what's your quick, quick, you know, quick take on what's gone on at Chelsea there this morning? Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the statement. There, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it. It comes into horrible circumstances, and listen, we we um, we're all hoping and praying that what's happened in the Ukraine sort of finds a finds a you know an ending as soon as possible. But you know, on a football level, it's phenomenal, and um, I'm yeah, haven't stopped laughing. Um, and it'll it'll be interesting to see what what, what the long term impact mm. it has on the club. And yeah, I can't I can't stand them. Um, yeah, it'd be nice if they if, if apparently if they're going from administration, they get a, a nine point deduction as well. So. Is that it? Is it not 30 points now? Like Derby got I mean, I, going into administration. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I saw that on Twitter. Don't quote me on that. But uh, no, it's it's lovely. Couldn't happen to a nicer bunch. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, fuck them. Yeah, fuck them is right. Uh, and Jerome, any any anything you want to add to that particularly? Yeah, I mean, look, I'll just echo what everyone's already said and that obviously it should go without saying that we're not happy about the circumstances or what's brought it out, you know? But mm, of course. it is... It just, again, proves that karma always comes around, you know, like Chelsea's only real period of relevance. Um, the only reason that there's even a conversation about what color London is, is because this guy's best friends with a horrible person. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so obviously I'd never want anyone to shed blood or die or anything close to that. But Chelsea's it's tarnished forever now. Everything they've won, everything that they've tried to put in our faces it's It's now got that asterisk hanging nice and big right above it in my eyes at least and yeah stan cronk the cronkies are by you know far from amazing people i'm not gonna you know i don't support the concept of billionaires period but you know there's nothing that's that massive that uh we know of so yeah it's very satisfying because chelsea's always kind of been like the shittiest fan base just in terms of historically what they've supported and how they've acted so it's kind of nice to see them getting uh yeah getting some payback absolutely absolutely and yeah we'll leave, we'll leave that there and um, let's all laugh at Chelsea not you know we, again we don't like how it's come around but from a footballing perspective purely from fandom it's yeah karma's come right back around it's taken far too long uh, and they've won far too much in between unfortunately uh, but that's life uh, and there's not a lot we can do about it but we all know as Arsenal fans it's been bought and um, so look with that in mind I think it is probably time to end the show um as always you know we really would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast just also while we're on the subject of thanking people jerome you know we really appreciate you taking the time to to come and speak to us this morning we, you know we also hope you've enjoyed the experience thank you man it's been a great time been listening to you guys and it was really cool to meet you when i was over in london so it's nice to finally get on the pod and once i'm back up running with mine definitely want to get you guys on on there sometime too so cheers guys Pleasure's all out, Steve, isn't it?
No, thank you so much uh, for coming on. It was uh, it was always great to chat. And I'm sure I'm sure we talk. I'm sure we speaking your latest probably or, or on the weekend after Leicester. So yeah, thank you again, mate. And uh, yeah, top words to Calvin as well uh, for hosting again. I quite mm-hmm. like this. Just kind of putting my feet up and uh, yeah, could get used yeah. to it. Yeah, we're, doing, we're sharing the, the hosting vibes now, aren't we? Uh, and yeah, I, I quite enjoy it as well, to be honest with you. Because sometimes, yeah, when, when you're talking, I have to listen a lot more. But if I'm pre-prepared, uh, you know, it's just that I've just got to read, basically, which isn't the hardest skill in the world. But look, if you enjoy the show as ever, we always kindly ask you to leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. We'd greatly appreciate that. If you'd like to follow any of us on any of the major social media platforms, feel free to do so. Steve, he can be found with his new fan uh, found fandom and uh, worldwide fame after being shared by uh, Ben White there the other day. He's on the on Instagram at in the clock and also Twitter at in the clock and uh, myself. You'll find me on Twitter at underscore the arse underscore and Instagram at the Arsenal shirt. And our guest Jerome, he can be found on Instagram at Wenger's House. Uh, but look, please keep an eye on our social media for the next podcast. But until then, look after yourselves, look after each other. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs>